Thank you for joining in for this City Lights Church podcast. We're a new church in the north of Brisbane, and you can find out more about us at www.citylights.community. We hope that this podcast encourages you in your journey of following Jesus. So we're continuing uh, our series, Relationship Renovation, and today I'm talking about family, the family that you grew up with. Who knows that we don't get to choose our parents? It's not like we have a website or an online catalogue or uh, it's not like, you know, you're creating an avatar and you're saying, okay, where would I like to be born? Okay, I would like to be born in country Victoria or I would like to be born in America or I would like to be born in Colombia or Brazil. Okay, did I do okay in that? All right. I'm trying. We don't get to choose, and we don't get to choose our parents. We would say, okay, I'm looking for uh, a dad. You know, I'm looking, I want a certain uh, body type, okay? I would like to be really tall and skinny. We don't get to choose that. That's what happened to me. We are just a, a product of our parents. And this shapes the family that we grew up with. It shapes a big part of our relationships. I don't know if you've stopped to think about this. I'd even make this statement, and maybe you agree with me, or maybe you don't, is that the biggest influence on your relationships is the family that you grew up with. Okay, and I'm going to unpack this. And sometimes it's positive, and sometimes it's negative, sometimes it's tragic. It's never perfect. No family is ever perfect. And this is really noticeable because it sets your idea of what is normal. So it's noticeable when, if you are to marry someone, who knows that when two people come together, they bring all their history and all their family experience. So uh, Beck and I, uh, we've been married for 18 years, is it? 18 years. And... uh, So our parents, both lovely, amazing, incredibly different, okay? So Beck's uh, the first person in her family to come to Jesus, and we're believing uh, for her whole family to come to Jesus. And, And my family, and you know, some of you would know my parents, very different. So when we go over to to Beck's house, we will talk about the weather and we will talk about footy and they are lovely, kind and warm people. And usually it doesn't get much below that. Then when we go over to like my parents, it's like, I've got a, I've got a word from God. Or I was like, I was praying last night. There's my mum at like three o'clock in the middle of the night. And I saw this vision of you. And this is what God's speaking. And what is God speaking to you? And so like, that's kind of like my normal, very different for Beck. She's like, what? I mean, I mean, what? So it's, we've got all these different experiences around what is normal. And, and a lot of the times we're not conscious of them. And so I'd say the biggest influence on your relationships is the family you grew up with. And I'll give you two 
main reasons. The first is this, the patterns of the past often repeat in the future. The patterns of the past often repeat in the future. Now, at its worst, you can have generational patterns of divorce, sexual abuse, mistrust of authority, inability to sustain meaningful relationships, and addictive behavior. We even see this in the Bible. We even see this in the book of Genesis, in some of the heroes, we would say, of the faith, some of the founders of the faith. There are no perfect people in the Bible except one, Jesus. There are broken people affected by sin. And we see here there are generational patterns. So if you know a little bit about the Bible, um, you'll know this. But So Abraham, he lied about Sarah being his sister twice. So two occasions, he goes to, uh, he's moving around and he goes to the kind of rulers around there and says, no, this woman can go into your harem because she is my sister. He didn't do it once. He did it twice. He lied. Next, his son, his son Isaac, married Rebecca, and their relationship was full of lies. They had a son called Jacob, and his name means deceiver. So there's this generational pattern that is at work. Then we see Jacob had 10 sons. They pretended to kill their brother Joseph and lied about it and faked and staged his death. See this generation or pattern and the patterns of the past often repeat in the future. That's the first reason. The second reason is this, is our family patterns set our expectations. Our family patterns set our expectations, whether it's implicit or explicit, whether we realize it or we don't realize it, whether it's spoken or unspoken, these patterns of how to do family, these patterns of how to do relationship, they are transferred and transmitted from generation to generation. And let me give you five. And as I'm going through this, maybe kind of think about where what it was like growing up in your family. But there, I'll give you five. There are a bunch of different ways that our family set our expectations, but let me give you five. The first is money and finances. So money and finances, maybe you grew up with a lot of money. Maybe you grew up with a lot of lack. Maybe how you grew up with not having much has shaped the way that you see money now. And some people in their family, they would see money as a source of security. If I have money, then I will be secure. What I need for my security is is money. Other people see money as status and other families build their uh, uh, kind of financial system around, okay, if I have money, I have status around the things that I own and what I have. Other people would see money as a way to control. And if I've got money, I've got a greater sense of control. That's how I can shape and move through life with greater control. So money and finances. The next one is conflict and communication. So two animals that often uh, depict what it's like. So for some of you, you might have been hedgehog. Okay, The hedgehog is you avoid conflict at all risk. 
you just like, you go underground. If there's conflict, you just like, you don't want a part of it. You just totally avoid it. And maybe that's a bit like it was growing up in, in your family. For others, it might be not the hedgehog, the rhino. It's like it is on, all right? So we are just like, we are loud and we talk. And if we need to uh, have something out. So I don't know what, what your experience growing up is. For some of us in conflict and communication in our families, sarcasm is okay. Sarcasm's perfectly a good way to navigate a little bit of passive aggressive sarcasm. That's the norm. What about emotions? In some families, you're not allowed to express your feelings. In other families, your feelings are totally unimportant. So you can express them, but they don't matter. And for others, it's okay just to have no filter on your feelings. So if I'm feeling something, everybody's going to know about it. And I'm just going to live out of those feelings. That is just normal. What about this? Number five, success. Sometimes in some families, there is this unspoken, unwritten rule that if you are successful, you will be loved. So your approval, your acceptance is based on what you do, your success, what you have in life. For some of it's about education, it's about career, it's about wealth. For some of it, it's about family. Do you have a certain type of family? Do you get married, have kids? Do you have that kind of uh, middle class Australian dream. So all these kind of different ways and usually what we think is my way that I think about it or my way that I was, I've grown up is normal. Okay, That's the way to think about it. So I've given you five, but there are others. Your family experience shapes your gender roles, your idea of sex, your idea of race, grief and loss physical affection, and touch. And so we've got in our family history a lot of imperfection, sometimes some confusion, and sometimes some brokenness. And this is our starting point for all of us in different ways, whether or not we realize it or not. So we've got this as our starting point. But where does this leave us? And what did Jesus have to say about families? Because that's what we're interested in. We, we want to be understanding where we've come from, but we also want to say, hey, what is our future and where could we go as individuals and what could the future of our family be like? Now, I'm going to share a, a passage of Scripture. It's a little bit wild. It's a little bit Im immediately. It's a little hard to understand. And we're going to unpack it together. But basically, for most of us, we have an assumption in life that everything should be easy to understand and it should be something that I agree with. All right? That's, that's our common philosophy, right? Particularly, it's expressed um, on the internet uh, with cancel culture. If it's not easy to understand, if I don't agree with it, you're out. Okay, so we're going to look at this passage of Scripture together. You can turn in your Bibles or it'll be on the screen. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 47 to 50, actually. We'll start 
at 46. Verse number 46, I'm reading in the New Living Translation. It says, As Jesus was speaking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. And someone told Jesus, Your mother and brother are outside and they want to speak to you. And Jesus asked, This is a bit hard to understand, Who are my, who are my, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? And then he pointed to his disciples and he says, Look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. I told you it would be a little hard to understand, right? So we're going to unpack this together. The first thing I want you to know as we unpack this is this doesn't make sense if you just see Jesus as a moral teacher. Or a good person, or an ethical person. This will make sense when you see Jesus as he is, as the Son of God. This is your starting point. And so, what is going on here? Is this a case of Mary, the mother of Jesus? Now, uh, many scholars think at this time that Joseph, Jesus' dad, had died. Is this a case? of Mary and the, the brothers just popping round, just to say g'day? Is it a case of, of Mary saying, Jesus, you left your lunch on the bench and I'm just popping round to give you your sandwiches? You were in a hurry when the disciples came and pick you up this morning. It's not a case of that. It's not just a rejection. What is happening here is this is an intervention. Jesus' mother and brothers are coming to him and they're saying, Jesus, we are concerned about your life choices. We are concerned about what you are doing with your life. We are concerned about your safety because you keep saying controversial things where people want to kill you. And you keep doing things that we are concerned about. So we're not just coming to say hello. We're coming to actually say, hey, stop what you're doing because the direction that you're going, you're going to get yourself hurt. This is an intervention. And we see in Scripture when different people, even people that are close to him, even Peter, one of his disciples, says, hey, Jesus don't go to the cross. Don't endure suffering. Jesus always responds firmly because he knows about his mission and where he's going and what he must endure to get there. But there's some other things that are going on. Now, in this, Jesus is not saying that biological family ties are to be destroyed. They are not to be abandoned. How do we know? Because if we fast forward to Acts chapter 1 and the Pentecost, the birth of the church, who is there? These same people, his mom and his brothers are in the room praying. So Jesus is not saying, I want you to destroy your biological family ties. He's not saying that we should abandon or dishonor our family. And how do we know? We know from Scripture, 1 Timothy 5.8, we are to provide for relatives in need. 1 Timothy 3.4, 
leaders and elders are to manage their own households well. Ephesians 6.4 Fathers and mothers are to raise their children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Ephesians 6.1 Children are to honour and obey their parents in the, law, in the Lord. And so he's not saying, I want to destroy family. I want biological family to say that it has zero value. But there are other things that he is going to say. And we're going to unpack three things. And these things are actually going to bring you incredible freedom in your life. And they're going to give you incredible freedom to shape your future no matter what has happened in your past. And the first thing is, your spiritual future is not defined by your family history. Here's what I want to say. Your spiritual future is not defined by your family history. Jesus says this. He says, anyone who does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Ephesians 1.5, it talks about God's will for all of us. It says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, his will, and it gave him great pleasure. So Jesus is not breaking family bonds, but he is loosening them. Jesus is not dissolving them, but he is showing the strength of the supernatural family bond. Jesus does not come to say, I want you to ignore your family history, but he does say, I want you to have the power and give you the power to overcome it. I want to give you the power to have and create a new pattern of family, not based on your mum or dad, whether they were there or not there, whether they, it was unhealthy or healthy or a little bit of both or it was patchy or had some good seasons. And this is a message for some of you here who are wanting to create a family and a new family and not based on the past. You're wanting this freedom and Jesus says, I am offering that family history. Cannot stop you coming to Jesus. Childhood trauma, trauma cannot stop you coming to Jesus. Here's what I want you to know. And here's what I can say, even with my dad sitting in the front row, who, is, who I honour and esteem as a man of God. Jesus doesn't care who your parents are. Every Christian is designed to be first generation. There are no grandchildren. There are no great-grandchildren. And so every person has the opportunity, whether your dad is a pastor or whether he is absent or whether he is a good person or a bad person, every single person has an opportunity to come into the family of God and also to shape their family future around the things of God and the pattern of God. And so Jesus is not interested in the who's who. He is not, you do not have to have generational Christian perfection. He's just saying he's not interested in the who's who. He's interested in the whosoever. 
whosoever comes to me. It doesn't matter if your dad is the high priest. It doesn't matter if your, your dad is, is the beggar on the street. Jesus does not care. He invites every single one of us into his family. And how does he do it? He does it through new birth. In John chapter 3, Jesus is having a conversation with a religious ruler by the name of Nicodemus. And he says this, you can't have relationship with God. You can't enter into the kingdom of God without being born again. And Nicodemus says, well, does that mean I go back into my mother's womb? And Jesus says, no, no, that's, that's not the case. It is a spiritual rebirth. Who's ever heard uh, the term that blood is thicker than water? Have you ever heard that term? It's talking about the value of family and the priority of family. Here's what I want to say today is that water is thicker than blood. And what do I mean by that? It's the waters of baptism. It's the refreshing and the new life and the new birth that has the power to break any generational curse, to break any generational pattern, and has the power for you, no matter where what you've done or haven't done, no matter who your parents are or not are, no matter if your parents are a good example or if there's been some hurt or if there's been some pain. It's through Jesus that we can say, hey, my past doesn't define my future. The way that my parents operated does not define the way that I am going to operate. My parents' power for my relationship through the power of the Spirit and the work of Jesus, I can follow the example of Jesus. I can move forward. And so that's the first point. The second is this. The best way to love your family is to put Jesus first. That's what I want to say. The best way to love your family is to put Jesus first. Now, in our family, the best thing that I can do as a dad is put Jesus first, is to honor him. Now, does that mean that I put ministry first or put pastoring first? No, that's different. But to have God at the center of my relationship, no matter what season, that's the best thing that I could do. You know, one of the things when uh, I was praying about a wife, and uh, I wasn't married, I was a young young person, and um, I prayed about a list of things that I wanted in a wife. And one of them is I wanted my wife to love Jesus more than they loved me. Now, that might be normal for some of you, and, but for others that might be some new news because, you know, as, particularly as guys, we, we want our, our wives to be like, oh, well, you know, that they love me as a priority. But I want to tell you that the best thing for me is that my wife loves Jesus more than me. The best thing for me is that I love Jesus as a priority over my kids. Now, I'm, I'm not, don't, don't get weird about what I'm saying here. But what I'm saying is Andrew connected to Jesus with a heart full of love from Jesus, putting Jesus first. That's a better Andrew. You want to hang around that Andrew. 
you know, if I disconnect myself from the love of Jesus and from the priority of Jesus and putting him first and organizing my life around the things of God, which we do, setting priorities around how I spend my time and uh, what I think about based on my love for Jesus, everything good flows from that. It's a powerful thing. And so here's some practical things for us as a family. We don't get up uh, each Sunday and go, hey, what am I going to do on a Sunday morning? Now, this could be problematic as a pastor, right? And they say, well, where's Andrew today? Well, he, he, uh, he wasn't sure what he was going to do, so he decided to go, go and do something else. Now, you might say, okay, well, you're a pastor, but there have been seasons, many seasons, where uh, periods of time where I haven't been a pastor. Why, do I, why did we decide to do that? Because we know that our connection to God, our desire to follow the ways of God is life-giving. That when we connect with you and you connect with us as people, man, our lives are better. Our lives are enriched. Our lives are full. And something happens where we begin to live from an overflow of love and of peace. And so put Jesus first because it's the best way to love your family. Number three is this. Jesus is saying your new normal is grounded in the love of the Father and the life of Jesus. I read that scripture from Ephesians chapter 1 that says we are adopted into God's family. And as I said, my, my parents are, are here in this church. But my primary identification is with the family of God. My primary identification is with the things of God. And in the, Old Te- uh, in the New Testament, at the time that Paul wrote uh, Ephesians, there was um, this idea of Roman adoption where they would adopt adult kids and they would give them full rights, a new name. They would give them wealth and inheritance. And this is the imagery that Jesus wants us to understand, that when you come into God's family, you're not coming in to kind of like work your way up, but you're coming in at the top. You're coming in. There are a number of things that Paul unpacks in Ephesians chapter 1. And he says this, he says, Through Jesus we are adopted into God's family. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing. We are chosen. Who knows that sometimes in some families we are not sure if we were there on purpose or if we were there by accident. I want you to know that in God's family you are there on purpose. And Jesus died and bled for you. You are not an accident. This is the power of God's family. He says that we are deposited the Holy Spirit. God himself lives within us. We are entrusted. We are entrusted. We are forgiven. And we are graced. I'm going to invite the team to come back. Three things. 
Your spiritual future is not defined by your family history. The second is this. The best way to love your family is to put Jesus first. And third, your new normal is grounded in the love of the Father and the life of Jesus. Do you know that I believe right now in this room that God is doing something significant? And I believe that this message through the Holy Spirit is actually answering some people's questions about the future and bringing freedom, freedom from the past. Here's what I want to say. Through Jesus, He is the doorway. He is the gate. He is the way, the path that we enter into this life of goodness and this life of freedom. And I, I, I just want to speak. There are some of you where you have just you have got such a desire to create a new family, your new biological family based on the wholeness and the health of Jesus. And I want to encourage you that this message is for you, that this is for you, that God is speaking this into your life. And he's saying this is possible. This is possible. For some of you, your, your parents have got some runs on the board spiritually. Your parents have kicked some goals. And God is saying to you, okay, that's great. I celebrate that. You have got a spiritual inheritance with that. But what about you? How are you going to follow Jesus? How are you going to put him first in your life? How are you going to obey? How are you going to take some risks? How are you going to take some faith steps? There's also some people here and just with different things and maybe even different decisions that have happened in church or different fears that you have around uh, putting Jesus first, that God is actually giving you faith to say, okay, don't look to the past. Don't, don't create your future by looking at, at the rear vision mirror. Look ahead. Look ahead. What, what does God want? What does God want for you? How does he want you to shape your life and your ministry? Why don't you stand up? And we're going to sing this chorus, You Reign Above It All. And as we do, there's, I want you to sing this as a declaration. To say, hey, Jesus, I'm going to put you first. If this is your heart, I want to put you first. You reign above it all. You reign above it all. Maybe you've got some uh, stuff that has gone on. And in this moment, the Holy Spirit is going to heal you. He's going to heal you from some pain. He's going to heal you from some hurt. As we sing this, there's two things that are going to happen. One is I'm going to open the altar for someone who says, today I'm taking a step of faith to recreate my family in the pattern, the love of the Father, the life of Jesus, putting Jesus first. If that's your declaration, I'm going to open the altar as well. And so you can just come and just stand We're just going to allow you just to stand in the presence of God. 
and just make a bold declaration of faith to say, I am not defined by my future, my past, but I am shaping my future through the message of Jesus. Let's sing this. You reign above it all. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about City Lights Church at www.citylights.community. Thank you.